Hey everybody, this is Rob Liefeld. You are listening to another edition of Rob's Ravations, uh, pop culture, comic book, sci-fi, fantasy. We do it all here because that's what I've been doing my whole life is 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 being consumed with with pop culture, comic books, sci-fi, fantasy. So we discuss it routinely, regularly. That's that's the entire focus of this show. Here's the deal: we are closing in on the end of the year. 2021 is coming to a close, and as a result. We are doing um, some wrap-ups, and today we are going to talk about the current comic book marketplace because we just came off of an extended period of both the San Diego Comic-Con uh, Special Edition, which was held right after Thanksgiving, and then this last week's monster LA Comic-Con, The Return 2021, after two years, a monster return. We are talking to none other than amazing Comic-Con owner and retailer, Jimmy J, who joins us today to talk about hot characters, trends, what's flying off his a table. He had one of the busiest booths at both shows. Comic books, trade paperbacks, hardcovers, omnibuses, um, conventions, characters, creators, signatures. We get into all of it today with Jimmy J right after the jump. Here we go, everybody. Mr. Jimmy J and I talk comic books. So today we have one of our favorite guests returning. It has been way, way too long. The uh, the 21 21- Convention season really uh, got kickstarted late this last summer, and it rolled into the fall with just a huge head of steam. New York Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con Special Edition, and LA Comic Con this past weekend. And so, who else would we talk to but the convention guru, the CEO, uh, captain, uh, uh, commander uh, of of the amazing Comic Con shows and kick-ass retailer? The J Brothers retailer again, Captain CEO, Mister Jimmy J. What is up, Jimmy? Dude, I'm stoked to be back hanging with you and hanging out with the Observations crew. Oh man, Jimmy, people love you. I get I get told all the time whenever I do these signings. I love when you talk to Jimmy J. When you have Jimmy J back, he is back today, and again, it could not be more. Uh, I just think more timely. I mean, we are at the end of the year. 2021 is 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 going to be in the rearview mirror here in, in, in a few weeks. And uh, Jimmy did back-to-back conventions, uh, did the San Diego Special Edition, did LA Comic-Con. I saw Jimmy briefly, probably all total over three days because it was crazy busy. I saw Jimmy for maybe four minutes. And uh, when I got home last night, I'm like, I need to talk to Jimmy. Uh, I, I need to have him on the show and talk about all the stuff that we're experiencing because I, I, I'm going to, so I'm going to start at the end. And work backwards in in regards to the sh- the shows. So we're going to start with this weekend's LA Comic Con. Jimmy, were you surprised as I was? Because I was by the amount of people that came through the door. Uh, yes and no. The reason why I say yes and no is because I had that warm up at the San Diego Special Edition show. But LA is a different beast altogether. And um, I mean, there's a ton of people rocking that show floor. Friday night was good. Saturday was one of the most insane single days that I've ever had uh, doing comic retail. And Sunday, Sunday finished strong as well. So, I mean, another great weekend um, at L.A. Comic-Con. I mean, they've really done a great show on organically building it up the last 10 years. And uh, we're stoked to be back. And I think that the fans just were really aching for an in real life comic-con experience and they certainly got it um in southern california big time these last two weekends 
you know, on on Friday night, um, so, so the LA Comic Con people, I, I deal with uh, Regina and Jade. Who are the people on your end that you you deal with? Uh, um, from is, the show? is is Regina? I, I've known since since day one. Have mad respect for her. Uh, but then uh, Corey on the show floor uh, was fantastic. Um, actually, the entire crew there. What I really like is that they go around and they introduce themselves, and so it does feel like you have a personalized relationship with the people working at the LA Comic Con. And um, and I think that's something that, that we do with Amazing as well, is because what you wanna do, you are definitely in a partnership when you're exhibiting at these events, You know whether you're an artist alley, whether you are a featured guest like yourself, whether you're a retailer, is that you wanna feel like you are have a partnership with the uh, convention organizers. And they definitely give that vibe, even if it's a big convention, they still make it into personal relationships. And that's really what this this business is about. It's it's these forging these great personal relationships. And 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 I think that resonates, you know, all the way down to the attendees walking through the doors. See, that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And the reason I actually brought all of them up, and I'm just glad we all m- mentioned them, they're great people, is because they've always treated me so well. And this year they were really, they treated me great. I wanted to, I wanted to be there for 90 minutes on the, uh, on Friday. And, and, and so I got in on Friday because normally I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll speak to the real here, just keeping it real with people. Um, Friday, Fridays are always kind of hit and miss. Um, you and I have talked over the years, retailers call it picking up nickels and dimes. Um, because, because it's sporadic. You, you could have, a, a guy who can only be there on Friday night and he has a list and he wants stuff. And, and, and so, so it's important to be there on Friday and there's people who have to work Saturday and Sunday. They're the reverse of almost everybody else. So again, putting in Friday is always, it, it's, it's, it, it, uh, is extra consideration. I speak mainly for the talent for retailer. You bought the booth. You're going to be there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Thursday, Friday, whenever the days are for talent. Um, I try and go out of my way, especially when the convention is so good to me to at least be there on a Friday. So I walk in. The reason I'm giving all this buildup is about your booth. Uh, Jimmy, main aisle uh, and kudos to uh, uh, the L.A. Comic Con. They got a giant presentation by Sideshow. Everybody knows in San Diego, Sideshow always has the massive, amazing uh, display of all their immaculate statues and maquettes and their and their 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 hot toys line so so right past that i saw this giant you know wall of comics it was it wasn't a it, it was a column i mean and i literally turned to my buddy and i said is that is that j company is that jimmy j and he's like that's jimmy and i just remember i mean i had time went home went over to you said hey wish you well you wish me well and, and i didn't see you again till late saturday but um i thought your booth placement I mean, Jimmy, you were the premier comic book, um, especially given that you are right, you were right off the main entrance. I, I just could not believe. And and again, it's it's not just the location, it's what you do with it. Um, and, and I just, I, it, it felt like your booth was higher, it, like, than it's ever been, like you've added some, some feet. I mean, I literally, maybe I'm imagining, or maybe it's just been that long, but man, that you're, your setup went high. Are you going higher? Well, that- you know, a little bit. I mean, we, you know, we, we, they give us at, at all these various shows, they give us the height requirements of booths and things like that. And do we, do we push the limits of those? Absolutely. Uh, but then we've also had people come up and say, Hey, I know you guys from the world famous Frankenstein's collectible show, or I've seen you at this show. I've seen you at that show. 
uh, these conventions, you know, wow, you know, you, you have so much more stuff here. You bring it at a show like L.A. Comic Con. We bring we bring our we bring our a we bring our a game. I really think that at these big events, it feels kind of like whether it's the Kentucky Derby and people wear those crazy other ladies wear those big, crazy hats. And it's so over the top. Well, I feel like our retail setup is very much the same. If you are at these big events, you got to bring your A-list. You got to bring your 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 best books out. You got to have to bring your best display out, and you have to work it the entire time. Um, it's showcasing your brand, and that part is important. And then also, you want to bring out the the books and the products that people to you know want to gravitate you know that they gravitate to. And you know you could agenda set with a you know with a booth set up like that, and that's what we try to do. We try to start the trends and we try to capitalize on the trends um, on the convention floor. And so we've been able to do that. Um, we've been able to do that at the show. The uh, so, so given that you, I mean, it, this is funny because it it speaks more to what was going on last week with San Diego. I saw, uh, you know, on Facebook, a guy shared uh, a retail, uh, a retailer from San Diego was talking about how grateful he was that San Diego was back this year. And I forget the name of the store. Seemed like a really nice guy, uh, been in the game a long time. But he talked about that he believed, you know, because everyone, I mean, come on. I I, I use uh, press opportunities to promote my work all the time. I get it. So this retailer, who's probably not always interviewed by the press, is, you know, stepping up to the mic and he wants to um, make it seem that he's he's special and he says he mentioned that it was really you know a big deal for him uh missing last year's that, that, that there was no show in the summer of 2020 and how eager he was because he's one of the he believes he's one of the oldest retailers having been having been selling comics since 1997 and i'm like my buddy jimmy j has been doing that longer my but jimmy uh what what date did you start at san diego uh, our first our first year exhibiting was 1995. Okay. So a few years, I was going to say a few years before that. No, but, but it matters. I mean, when this guy is talking about he's the oldest guy and everyone's come and gone, I'm like, no, no, no. I think everybody I know uh, in 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 the San Diego realm knows where your booths are. Uh, uh, you you've had up to three locations the last decade on average. The J Company booths i mean i i'm gonna be honest I, you're not gonna say this so i'm gonna say this you're too nice of a guy jimmy uh really pioneered the modern display um the giant wall uh the specific style of the racks was not seen and in the early 2000s uh you your brother you you guys started a completely different type of setup um so much so that one year a buddy of mine said, oh, yeah, yeah I saw your buddy Jay. I, I saw your buddy Jay. You know, yeah, he's over here at this at this number. And they gave me the number. And I went to that booth and I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's a Jimmy J knockoff booth. It's not Jimmy, but it's it's his booth. Um, and so the reason I'm bringing that up, I mean, again, the the the, the way you have maximized the the shelving that you call the racks, but you do it with the piping and the the, the, the girders and then the way that you. uh. The, the way that you lay them out on the maximize all the table space, it's a very distinct, what I'm saying, it's a very distinct. It used to be, for the most part, and there are still some old school guys, they throw their boxes 
all on top of the multiple tables that they have. So I'm just telling you, uh, I, I, you are a pioneer of retail, especially in the convention world. And then you obviously took that into being a convention promoter. So that's why I like, I, I identify you have a style, a brand of display. And yes, people, that is a thing. Sideshow has a style and a brand of display. It's very distinct how they do things. If someone were to do it just like them, you would immediately associate it with Sideshow. Um, uh, everybody's kind of, you know, they've got their style, but literally, and we've talked about it, people liberally <laughs> knock you off. I get to the point where I was told to go to a booth that was yours, that was not yours. But you, I remember you were very funny. Like, yeah, he's, it, it, it's, it's okay. People we're going back in the time machine. Uh, uh, and this is perfect because they just did a thing on Pat Benatar on CBS this morning. Um, Fast Times Ridgemont High, when Jennifer Jason Lee and uh, Phoebe Cates are on the first day of school and Phoebe Cates goes, oh, yeah, she's adopted the Pat Benatar look. It's a popular look. Uh, many girls have adopted it this year. So is she. And so is she. And they all show the girls who are dressing like Pat Benatar in, I think it's 1982's Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Excellent movie. Fantastic. But Many people have adopted the Jimmy J slash Pat Benatar display. So I, 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 had, to, I had to tell you that because that's funny, right? Well, um, absolutely. You know, it, it feels like it's just like just like in sports. It's a copycat league. It's a copycat yeah. league, you know, on yeah. the convention circuit. But, um, you know, I, like I used to be very, you know, I, at some point I was probably chipped up about it. But I, I look at it as a compliment. And that also pushes us and motivates us to make sure that we're always on top of our game. And I think um, that's that's the thing about the Derby with these big shows. Yeah. You know, you're you're next to, you know, whether as a creator, you're next to the next creator or, you know, an, an up and comer or maybe another OG, um, you know, guy, you know, who's working on some books. It's, you know, that's, you know, shuffling through, you know, uh, you know, a popular title here or there. And so just like you have to remain relevant as a creator, we have to be relevant as a retailer and just like, well, you on our convention brand, we have to remain relevant and forward thinking as a convention brand. So I think that's 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 part of it's part of the game. No, I love it. So 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 again, so I, I read this guy and I just I, I was like, wow, my, my buddy Jimmy's been doing this longer than 1997. And and I knew I I, I thought it was 94, 95. So I'm glad it was 95 because I was again I knew it was a couple of years prior to that because you are really one of the old guard now because we have we have the former old guard all reminding us that they've given up on the show. Um, whether it's there Trevor Zanke, Bud Plant, all these people remind you, I used to do that show, but, and I'm like, well, my friends are still doing the show and they're kicking ass at the show. And I know in San Diego, I had people, again, I, I couldn't make it down uh, just a hectic Thanksgiving schedule, which obviously you had to set up before Thanksgiving. This year's Comic-Con special edition, uh, you had to set up prior to Thanksgiving, probably some of Thanksgiving was was attributed to your pre preparation, and then it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, post-Thanksgiving holiday, which I'm happy for the Comic-Con people. I, I love the people in San Diego. It's a special show. It is a special place in my heart. I'm always rooting for them. I wasn't able to make it down there. I know you had a killer setup because people told me, people were telling me, oh, man, I saw Jimmy J. Because um, ironically, because my son was home briefly, uh, and it was he wanted to go to Frankenstein's, which you're normally at. Your booth certainly was busy at Frankenstein's that weekend. You weren't there, but people were asking me, "Hey, did you see Jimmy down in San Diego?" I'm like, "I didn't go to San Diego. Like, I haven't been to Frankenstein's in three months." So I was just excited, you know, 
to be there, but I was having people there tell me how great your setup in San Diego was. So how was Comic-Con Special Edition? Well, I think Comic-Con, it, it's something that, that is, is interesting. And I saw and I contrast this with the L.A. Comic-Con. Uh, San Diego was, was fantastic. Um, when I say it's fantastic, it is we didn't have the same expectations. We didn't know what to expect in San Diego because you're going from a five day show to a three day show, which is a huge difference. Um, it is a it's a very costly show just to to exhibit at. But you have it's a it's a seller's market. Uh, more than necessarily a buyer's market, but we wanted to make sure that we brought a great display there, and it was. It was fantastic. Um, I think that the people were were there in droves and were definitely motivated. It definitely felt like a throwback event, meaning it felt like Comic-Con before Big Hollywood came in there, that people were aggressively shopping for comics, uh, looking for new product, looking under the rocks, and I think that they were going into that discovery process and hunting process more than in other years. We didn't have to compete against um, big box manufacturers and toy toy makers and Mondo Prince and Hall H. So instead, people were spending their time uh, with the exhibitors, and I think that was very, of course, financially. You know, we reaped the financial benefit to it, but I think from the attendee standpoint, it was refreshing that. Here was an event that they were able to actually walk through and shop at when that's been on their back burner. The San Diego Comic-Con attendees, because how they do their badges is people who are already in the, the events, you know, that have already been able to buy tickets, purchase tickets. They uh-huh. are first up in the queues to buy tickets year after year. So we do see the same faces year after year because nobody wants to give up their San Diego Comic-Con tickets. So they acknowledge the difference between now and years past. Uh, I'm going to do a quick sidebar to contrast that with the LA event where at the LA event, um, you were able to, people were able to buy tickets at the door at the event and were able to do things like that. So you get a turnover in, in, in fans. People were experiencing their first comic cons at LA comic con, whereas San Diego, everybody's grandfathered in. The average age of the attendees are probably five to 10 years older than at L.A. Comic-Con. So there is a difference in the the age of the attendees, the buying styles of the attendees. Both had a ton of excitement, but it was like a different. Those were different feels. Those were different buzzes. And uh, it was interesting to see from from a retail standpoint, those two things. So you as a retailer, because I trust you with the trends. So, Jimmy, let's t- tell the audience we've been doing this for about 17, 18 minutes. What are people buying? What are the titles? What, what are the characters they're pursuing? Um, they lay, are, lay it on me. Okay, they're following Disney Plus. Um, and I, I mean, it may I, I don't know anything about Disney Plus ratings. I'm not trying to, you know, you know, uh, you know, project, you know, what the world is. But if you are a if you are rolling around in the world of pop culture. They agenda set whatever's streaming agenda sets okay. more than anything else. So our top sellers, both shows, no surprise, both events, no surprise. Hawkeye, 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 Hawkeye. Okay. People like people like the hot guys. And that was always a, a, something that I would always laugh to my brother at the other end of the booth going, you know, are there any hot guys here? Hot guys. And uh, <laughs> people kind of gave us a sideways look. OK, so certain small things like that. 
you know, yeah. bring us joy at the booth. But uh, yeah, that was uh, people were digging the that Matt Fraction run. Uh, people were digging, um, you know, whether it's uh, Kate Bishop, Pizza the Dog. That's what that's what they wanted to see. Uh, so we sold a ton. We, I mean, for years we've stocked up on those hardcovers and trade paperbacks, and that by far led the pack. Uh, people are forward thinking, knowing that the next show, the next show on Disney Plus, uh, or an upcoming show on Disney Plus is going to be uh, Moon Knight. Moon Knight back issues. I mean, could you imagine a world where Moon Knight is maybe arguably as hot or almost as hot, maybe even a little bit hotter than Batman himself? It's mind blowing. I believe it. I've been watching it. I've, I've been I've been watching those sales. I know what you're saying is true. I mean, it it it's just uh, and and maybe I mean I know we haven't seen a whole lot, but Moon Knight's always been a really popular. He's a fan favorite, right? And then you've got Oscar Isaac, uh, you know, show- who, who's like their biggest star. I mean, I think of these shows. In, in my opinion, he's kind of the biggest outside name they've gotten to date. So. So Moon Knight prices are crazy. Like, uh, what 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 is what are the key Moon Knights uh, that people are searching for? It's like it's it's almost it's almost like those uh, Werewolf by Night issues. I mean, like it's almost forget it. I mean, like if you weren't buying those things five years ago, you're paying stupid hundreds, yeah, thousands of dollars for those books. Something that was thirty, forty bucks again five years ago was um is you know has jumped up where it's out it's it's priced out of the market. Uh, the first time Moon Knight had his own solo book, though, was the um, uh, Bill Sienkiewicz in the in the early 80s. Yeah. And he was in a very Neil Adams style. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting to see his evolution as a, you know, from his artwork going from being on that beginning of that run was very Neil Adams-esque, you know, very, you know, you know, textbook, comic book style, what I call comic book anatomy. And I'm doing air quotes right yeah. now. Very, very, I guess, realistic, and then going completely impressionistic by by the end of the run. Um, so, I mean, that that is pretty interesting. But those back issues on that series has has jumped up. I mean, a number one, ungraded, will go from anywhere, you know, probably closing to to two hundred dollars for a high grade. Uh, people are looking for any of the Moon Knight number ones of any of his sub- subsequent series. Um, the uh, the stuff that was at the end of the of the uh, 80s, 90s run with uh, with Stephen Platt actually has has jumped up in price, um, and whatever it's going for online or whatever you think this is Moon Knight across the board, it's almost like you know double or triple that price now. I mean that's something that's jumping up fast. You can't find it. None of the stuff has huge print runs given the eras and everything like that because it was never a top selling book. It was actually always a bottom selling book. At Marvel, and I think that is the trend with the MCU and Disney Plus, is that they're taking the C-list and D-list characters, and they are definitely pop culture A-list. There Still, was a, oh no no go, you, go, go ahead go ahead. So there was a stand-up there was a stand-up comedian uh, doing a panel at LA Comic Con on Friday night, and he made this crack up, and it was actually very telling. He said, "Hey, if you." Or a fan of Iron Man, you say you're a fan of Iron Man, you obviously has never read it, an Iron Man comic book because Iron Man was never cool in comic books. Yeah. That kind of seems the trend in 
in um, you know the pop culture resonance of these of these Disney Plus characters and these MCU characters. That they're taking these C list and D list characters, maybe B list characters, and they are all elevated. And then therefore, the back issue market for those those products, for those characters, for those first appearances, are all shooting up through the roof. So so stay with me here because I'm gonna while you've been talking, I kind of formulated um this 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 process of thought so i'm going to share it with you and again to to, to you the audit the, the amazing audience uh here of Rob observations jimmy and i had no prep time i just texted him i said i want to talk comic book marketplace here we are so bear with us as we kind of you know spitball this this episode but but based on what you've just been saying so so bear with me here <clears throat> i have a giant collection um, people tell me all the time, what are you going to do? A couple of your uh, friends at Frank and Sons with booths are always like, how big is your collection, Liefeld? How big? And I tell them about my storage unit. And, you know, um, th- Thanksgiving weekend, uh, I, I was right before the holiday. I had gra- I, I went into my storage unit and I've always been very open that I did, was not as obsessive about Sp- Spider-Man as I was about the Avengers, X-Men. I was a team book guy. And but I did collect Spider-Man, but there's giant gaps in my uh collection and i don't i never went and rebought those issues because i just spider-man was a reader character to me and i would buy him when after i'd already bought i mean even conan took priority over spider-man great character loved spider-man enjoyed him as a tv show cartoon all that stuff but just not my my highest priority comic book but i i I saw my box with with spider-man comics and uh and and my, my amazings my peter parker and then it spills over, obviously, into another um, uh, 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 long box. And I had Spider-Woman and I had Spidey Super Stories and Spider-Man 2099. So so I'm going to get there. And uh, I grabbed those and brought them with me because I just wanted to look them over. And I wanted to go back in time because I wanted to relive the time that, that I, I just remember very distinctly all grabbing all these comics. But then, of course, you know, for like 48 hours, my entire family was home for thanksgiving and my son says hey dad you know that that box worth a lot and so this plays also to your friends and my friends who always go what are you gonna do with those comic books i was even sent a link from a from a guy a friend of mine who works at apple last year who's like have you made plans for how you're gonna disperse your collection you're not gonna really put that burden on your family are you so stay with me here because again i'm continuing to build build this house of ideas i would love it if one of my grandkids is able to experience the magic of my comic collection the way I did. It, it, it has not completely translated to my own sons, but maybe their, their family, girl, boy, whatever, uh, uh, sparks an interest. And, and, um, you know, even if that, <laughs> I guess, I guess they need to have kids first. So I've got all of this imagined, but somewhere, that they'll that, that they'll appreciate these comics I have, but it always comes up to the added benefit is what's the value? What's the value? And 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 Jimmy, it is funny because I used um, I have my box of She-Hulks in the garage, and I have my and again that that first copy it's 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 not minty fresh, but it's in really whatever good fine condition. My, my and I remember it, when I bought Savage She-Hulk from the newsstand with Stan Lee and John Buscema and Chick Stone inking. And, uh, and I said to my son, I said, son, this box right here, these She-Hulks, they would not be as valuable a year ago as they are now. 
but they're very valuable now because of the show. Their perceived value has gone up and, and it's going to continue to go up probably throughout as the episodes drop, depending on what happens and which issues. And, and I don't know if it's the, 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 you know, the, the original run that Stan started and then, and then uh, uh, David Anthony Kraft wrote and, and, and Mike Vosberg drew or the John Byrne run or, you know, the, the Brian Hitch issues. Like, I don't know, but you would, I know you would agree that She-Hulk now likes like Moon Knight because it's on the queue for Disney plus is now got extra added value. And the way I'm going to wrap this up and pivot back to you to answer is so again, I, I am amazed that the stuff that I collected, and when you ask, like, would you believe that we live in a world where Moon Knight is hotter than Batman? At this point, yes, I do. And and timing is everything. And Marvel seems to have all the timing on their side right now. And whether it's my She-Hulk collection or some of these Spider-Mans, or as I alluded to, Spider-Man 2099. So here's the deal. Saturday night, I am uh, out to dinner with my wife at the show. And I get the breaking news. It was weird that it was a Saturday, but Lord and Miller were breaking the two-minute trailer from the sequel to Into the Spider-Verse, which now has Spider-Man 2099, which blew my mind. Spider-Man 29 is in a, a fantastic comic and an and, and amazing design. Just visual boom, amazing. One of my favorite alternate Spider-Man designs. So, Jimmy, did you, the next day, so that Saturday night, you still have one more day of retail, did Spider-Man 2999 get pop and will it get pop going forward? Yes. And while I'm chuckling is because I sold it the day before. Um, so I didn't get the heat. I didn't get the big cash out. But you know what? I think that, you know, that's part of. You Stop know, right there. Stop right there. What's the difference uh, in, in price? We don't want to know what you've sold it for. But how much more could you have got? What's the added value? Had you uh, sold it Sunday? I would say probably a good 40 to 50 percent higher in one day. At okay, least. so overnight, so, so you sold the Spider-Man 2099, a first appearance, I'm assuming, and you're saying that, so overnight, because of that trailer, 40 to 50% markup. Easy, easy. Okay. No, I, I, people love to understand this because, again, heat, heat, heat. Jimmy, that's why I, that those specific Spider-Man books I pulled out of my, you know, storage. I told you I had Spider-Man 29, and if you don't think I came home first like I did yesterday when I got home, you know? Uh, in between football games, I went and checked, and but there it is. There's Spider-Man 2099, one, two, three. You know, I'm like, awesome. Because, again, these, that you know, whether it's the magic of the process, the stories, the characters that maybe can potentially take another, you know, uh, uh, person away uh, eventually, you know. Because, again, people, they're like, how are you estate planning for your comic books? I'm like, I'm not estate planning. I, I plan on... Like I got another 20 years, God willing, then I'm going to be reading these myself before I pass them off. And then hopefully, again, my family can enjoy them or they'll sell them the minute I'm in the grave. I mean that, you know, it. but the bottom line is like what we're talking about, that extra people, we just like knowing that they have extra value, right? It's just nice. You no, know, I, I, it's it's funny though that also you, you mentioned about your, your buddy at Apple because there is a buddy I went to high school with. He is... You know, he gave me a video of, of his of his keys, his first, you know, his first appearances, stuff he collected in the 90s. He was a 90s collector. 
and he is ecstatic to see all those 90s books jump up in value and stuff that he had in the 80s and he had bronze age books and he had some silver age books even a few golden age books that he picked up again you know 25 30 years ago and you know and he's and he's wondering hey how do i maximize this you know does you know is this is this college fund money for my for my son and daughter is this a hey you know, should I cash this in for a muscle car? And I'm like, maybe I should, t- I should, uh, you know, turn in my, you know, convention, you know, you know, jeans in a jeans in a polo, and maybe I should put on a pair of chinos and uh, and go business casual and become an estate planner for, uh, you know, for this. But it really seems that these books are taking these big chumps. And it also le- leads to more speculation. You, m- you mentioned 2099, and this is an example of how trends go. Spider-Man 2099 has, you know, it appears in a trailer. So now people are looking at, you know, what are the first appearances of different 2099 characters? 2099 Hulk, 2099. Oh my gosh! Okay, okay. Doctor Doom. Will they make an appearance? Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But those are books that people are taking out of bargain bins now. And putting them away. Maybe those have upside. Hoarding. And, and that's what, and I think that's what, you know, I think that's what all of this pop culture, all these trailers are doing, these shows on on TV. I mean, you're looking for, you know, a, you know, like where a villain pops up or where maybe a side character pops up or, you know, does this, are these seeds for the, you know, for an upcoming show? I mean, I was pulling up, you know, Agatha issues from, you know, from WandaVision since WandaVision aired. And I yeah. mean, if she has her own show, you know, do those have upside? Oh. I mean, so, it's you know, so endless, and I'm so happy for you guys as retailers, though. I really am. You guys are the lifeblood. I mean, the, 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 the fans are the lifeblood. But if they don't have a place to get this stuff, then then there is then then we've all seen, you know, when distribution stops. Um, well, then then so does fandom's interaction with the product. So. I'm just so glad you guys are doing so well with it. I wanted to ask you briefly. Um, you you mentioned '90s. I'm gonna I'm gonna put a pin in that real quick again because I was able to experience this. The reason I asked you, and I I, I love it. I mean, of course, uh, you you experienced it within that cycle about 2099, Spider-Man 2099. Um, the uh the at the end at the end towards the end, we're gonna I want to know what you're asking. For some, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you some books, and if you're comfortable, you can tell me not what you're selling them, but but, but what they're going for in your community of retailers. We'll, we'll um, talk. Ball, ball, we'll, ball we'll, we'll say up arrows and down down yeah, arrows. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but but so so when I was at New York Comic Con, so what people need to understand is I do not control the flow of news. I don't. Um, I'm not. Uh, I have no say in whether a director or an actor want to weigh in on their involvement on one of my projects, even though I've been sitting on it for in one instance, nine months and then the other two months. And, and with both uh, Sam Hargrave, who is uh, directing directed extraction and extraction Two, is one of the like literally most exciting action directors uh, in, in the last decade, he is our director on profit and Jake Gyllenhaal had signed on to uh, be John Prophet, and uh, I had, you know, had to sit on both of this, and it, it turned out to be so fortuitous, which I was really, truly, when I entered New York Comic Con that weekend, I did not think the Prophet news would break, but the, 
about five o'clock uh, in New York. So I, I guess it would have been two, two, two in the afternoon on the, on the West Coast. But I'm in New York. I'm at the show, and the news breaks that um, that that Profit, which has already been announced as as being optioned, has already been announced as having a screenplay by Mark Guggenheim, which people got excited for. So now it's got a face. We have our John Prophet. We have our director. We have the pieces assembled. We, we're building this in the way that you would want to see something built um, successfully. But Jimmy, like, so that's the end of the day on Thursday. The very next day, and I had told my buddy, Dave, who 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 works my booth with me, I said, I, I do wonder if this will translate on Friday and then the rest of the weekend, but specifically Friday, you know, suddenly now. I'm seeing young bud number twos. I'm seeing profit number ones. And these guys would tell me, Rob, I went into the basement last night. Rob, I went downstairs to where my collection is. And I looked for two hours until I found the box that had this in it. And they wanted to, like you said, adapt early. You know, it's within 24 hours of that cycle. Jump on and, and, and get the book signed. Get them, you know, graded. And, and so, so I've experienced it myself in real time and was like, wow. And again, you can't ask for a better situation that teed up amazing. But I mean, again, I'm just assuming that for the most part, uh, it, it carries, I do know that the most powerful component is when you can show the characters moving. So Spider-Man 2099 flying around in the air, zipping around, you know, swinging around with Miles Morales is maximum impact. It th- that doesn't it doesn't get more than that, right? Um and and the, and the, and the, and, the, and the fans, the fans are getting really smart, right? They they know an announcement, they know okay, talent, and then they know oh, footage. Let's call it that, right? Announcement, then talent added and then footage. And footage is the most potent part of this, right? Completely moving pictures, moving pictures sells static pictures. I mean, that's really, that's really, that's really the, the, uh, it all in a nutshell. So, so, uh, are you seeing She-Hulk bump like Moon Knight? She-Hulk is, She-Hulk is, is going up through the roof. I mean, it's, it's the Savage She-Hulk is, is already priced out. People are chasing, uh, Titana, who makes her first appearance in one of those early Secret Wars issues? Yep, yep. Um, so, um, and I think we're seeing a bump on the key John Byrne issues. I mean, you know, he was he was doing you know Good Girl books, kind of like when Good Girl books oh. weren't out. So yeah. it's like your She-Hulk, who is you know naked, jumping on the uh, the, the jump rope issues, yep. and they did the Pulp Fiction. Um, they did the Pulp Fiction, you know, uh, parody cover and some of those early issues. I mean, those are those are taking big spikes because they're not readily available. Uh, so, yeah, so we're seeing that in She-Hulk, but we're also seeing it in areas that isn't that aren't just traditional Marvel comics. I mean, Star Wars and with Book of Fett, all these crazy first appearances, whether they're in Marvel books or Dark Horse books, whether it's vintage, whether it's from, you know, the 90s when Dark Horse, again, was just pumping out ton of, of of licensed books on this these characters i mean you look up wikipedia for these first appearances and mm. things are jumping up whether it's the grand inquisitor and his cool lightsabers or you know people again are speculating you know you know obviously ahsoka you know these other characters that it's like can these appear in a disney plus show can these appear in a streaming show um 
Invincible still, even though that show came on last spring. Um, you know, we sold a ton of, you know, trade paperbacks, a ton of back issues um, of that. So, again, these streaming shows matter. Moving pictures matter. And that agenda sets, those are the best commercials for casual readers and hardcore collectors. So, and so let, me, let, me, let me jump on something you just said there about Invincible. And I'm not sure if everybody knows this. I'm not sure if, you know, uh, I was in the hotel uh, getting ready to come down on Sunday. And so I had the NFL, you know, shows on. I was jumping between CBS and Fox and their coverage. And uh, while I was packing my knapsack to come over to to the show, I look up and I see the Invincible. Uh, I see I, I see Mark. I see you know uh, Nolan, the, the the primary Invincible characters, and and they show like uh, pretty good footage. And it's an Amazon Prime commercial. And it literally is the start. I mean, it was the start of the commercial. It carries you through the beginning. Then it pivots to a couple more. I, I literally, they may have shown three or four total Amazon Prime shows. And then, of course, Amazon Prime when whatever their slogan was. But I was like, wow, Robert, like, even though it's off the air and it's been off the air for six months, like you just said, now it's back in circulation on NFL shows, which are the most eyeballs with Amazon, which is the richest company spending. So I imagine like I made it. So, you know, that made me happy for Robert Kirkman, creator of Invincible, Corey Walker, all those guys. And it made me again, happy. And, and you just said it like, cause, cause Jimmy, I think, I mean, it, it really put, it put Invincible back in focus for me right there. I'm like, Check that out. You know, you're like, check that out. Invincible is the face of Amazon Prime's um, advertising campaign right now. And that's, I mean, that's, that cannot be measured. And and again, that's going to touch you. Like you said, it's going to continue to push books for you while we wait for season two. So just th- that this, what I just told you is, is truly why the show is called Rob's Because <laughs> I just made one. Um, but, uh, but um yeah, dude, I I love hearing that, that you're you are doing so well, and, and and you actually are mentioning trades, which I want to pivot um with you because uh Jimmy and his brother are, are they they have to be soothsayers in their business. They are they have to look around the corner uh to see what's coming uh and 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 and, and you know I know I love this word my kids use it now manifest before it happens before it happens and and so. So Jimmy J, the, the thing that people need to know about you and your brother, and this is what I love about you guys. You guys are like soothsayers. Um, you have to be. You, you guys always have to be looking uh, around the corner and see what's coming before anybody else and, and anticipate what's coming. And that's what I've always loved about you and, and, and watching you uh, game plan. Again, like you said, uh, you have to stay relevant and stay fresh. And part of that is, is trying to anticipate trends. And one of the trends you... 100% successfully anticipated, I'd say 10 years ago, you saw the appeal of omnibuses, of which I love. Omnibuses are like my my most favorite like uh, uh, aspect currently of, of, of comic collecting, comic consumption. I love these giant hardcover uh, uh, phone books. And, and, and if you do not, for some reason, do not know listener, the listeners out there, what an omnibus is, 
I mean, both Marvel and DC have heavily invested in them, Marvel more so than DC. And they are they are generally retail in the hundred plus, um, you know, when fresh out the box when they arrive and they will collect entire gigantic runs. You have, um, you know, all of John Byrne's bodies of work. Uh, Fantastic Four has has two or three. Uh, his X-Men has two. They've gotten a collected edition of just John Byrne's other stuff. I myself have three omnibuses. The Heroes Reborn stuff, a Rob Liefeld uh, creator omnibus, X-Force. Um, there's the Todd McFarlane, Spider-Man, Venom, you name it. Uh, Jack Kirby's Eternals. Um, a couple of years back, my Eternals trade almost became a $1,000 uh, not trade omnibus. So Jimmy and his brother, because I have been with Jimmy when he has to get off the line because there is a, a flash sale from the distributor and they would grab as many because they're really great discounts. And so Jimmy, when you go to his booth, I saw it transform. Part of the transformation, like I said, of his of his table as it continues to evolve is your, um, you have one of the, if not the most vast variety of omnibuses of any retailer I've ever seen. And I know that that has continued up to this day because I saw pictures from your booth at San Diego and there was just overflowing with omnibuses. Um, how is the omnibus business? It, it's huge, but it, it definitely has transformed. I mean, it was years back where they did do these flash sales, but I think because of the the book market trend is that it's getting harder and harder for retailers to stock the most relevant hardcovers, trade paperbacks, and certainly the omnibuses. And a lot of that is because there is not a as pre prevalent bookstore distribution like in the mainstream. Like there's not as many Barnes and Noble. There's not, you know, Borders doesn't exist. There's not Books a Million. There's not all these these big box uh, bookstores on every corner anymore. So therefore, these publishers aren't making as many of, they're not printing as many of these books, so it's harder to find. Also, with the distribution wars, with Marvel and, D and DC going to other distributors, they are not warehousing like a heavy overstock at Diamond, where a retailer would be able to call up or place an internet order and you know order these essentially on demand. You know, they would come in. You know, in the old days, which means a year ago, two years ago, you'd uh, be able to order a book, and in within a week, maybe two weeks, you would have a new restock. You can't get anything anymore. It doesn't exist. Um, that's why these these omnibus that have a small print run to begin with have all have a inherent collectible market because they go out of print and they don't come back in print you know, many times for many years, if ever. So if you don't buy it out the gates, then you are going to be out of luck and may be paying premium prices. Um, now, I mean, we try our best to, you know, stock up, load up, not just for the short term, but at least for the, for the midterm on each of these books. But there's stuff that there's a run on and goes up through the roof. An example of that, you would think the original Stanley, uh, Stanley, uh, Steve Ditko, Amazing Spider-Man run should be in print all the time from Marvel Comics. Those volume ones are now hitting about $400, $450 on Amazon. So if you have one, high fives to you. People will look at us and say, hey, I remember when you used to have these for $70 at your booth. 
they're no longer undercover price. They command a crazy premium price. And if you want to have one of these special edition hardcovers, you know, like for good, for bad, that the market is, uh, you know, has heated up for it. So, so I'm looking over at my, my I, if you've been in my office, I, I, I have uh, I have shelves of these omnibus, but then on my floor, you know, uh, uh, like I'm some, you, you know, you have columns and columns and columns. I mean, if you well, look at Instagram account and, and you see you have more than shelf porn, what they call it, shelf porn for for all these these uh, these you know, these key books or these, you know, these, these well, books that every collector would want to have. That's I, the term that, that the omnibus uh, collectors definitely use. Look, I, I I think I'm Hemingway. Okay, and so next to my chair, I have them stacked up on the floor. Like I've I've had people who've seen these pictures on social media, and they're like, "Oh my, is it?" I think they say to me, "I'm I'm trying to remember. my ADD can't handle this. I need to organize." <laughs> I'm like, "Get out of here!" Then, you, but like I said, I'm I'm in my mock comic book Hemingway setup. I have all these, and so I'm looking over there, and I and I'm I'm looking at my original stanley steve did go in right now because again i'm I, I looked away from the mic and i'm looking over my shoulder going did jimmy just tell me that's a 500 dollar omnibus no it, it's actually it's probably about 450 but Four, but oh, okay 450 now jimmy what is the most expensive omnibus i own because i know you know this uh i, I mean what well, I, I probably own it so what's one of the hotter ones you know what I, I would say that that is hotter but like i mean that's one of your hottest okay um, what's trending what's trending up i mean even think think something like a giant size X Men number one oh, uh, hasn't yeah. been that hasn't been reprinted in a number of years, and um, I mean like so those the, you know, the first you, omnibus, the first X Men omnibus, correct for that has that has the giant size yeah. X Men, I mean it has the um, the John Byrne issues, uh, Claremont, yeah. um, all of those will run. Used to sell a little bit over cover, but now it's like those are inching toward two hundred dollars, you know, double in price. That and that's that's the crazy thing. It's like, and people scratch their head and say, "Oh, I remember when an Infinity Gauntlet, you know, omnibus was, you know, was undercover price, and now they go for, you know, three hundred dollars plus." And that's been reprinted before, but now it's back out of print. So I mean, stuff comes in print, out of print, and that does affect the market a little bit. But it's like if you once you get these books, that it's it's hard to replace. And, and those are specialty and they appeal to both hardcore collectors and they appeal to readers and they appeal to a nostalgia brand. And it appeals to new readers that want to, you know, check out these these classic runs that, they, that you know, that we all talk about, you know, that's whispered about in the comic book shop there. You know, we talk about them on the podcast, things like that. Oh, these are the greatest runs of all time. You know, Frank Miller's Daredevil went from being about a book that you could pick up for probably a little bit undercover price, maybe about 80 bucks on, on uh, Amazon or eBay. And now it's probably kissing twice that 150, $200. Okay. So I have some quick questions. Um, Cause again, we were talking about some recent ones. So, so just a year ago, it was literally the, the, uh, the, uh, this is how I remember things. Uh, it was the night of the first uh, Biden Trump debate um, where they were like screaming at each other. I just remember it was that afternoon. I got my John Byrne, she-Hulk omnibus um, it, delivered by Amazon. See, and I remember because that was in my lap as I'm, you know, kind of casually watching the debate that night because I, I was way more focused uh, on, on this She-Hulk. So, so it has has the She-Hulk omnibus in one year's time, in, in 14 months, has that bumped? Doubled. Doubled? Double. I love yes. 
Okay, okay, so this is great. Jimmy, this is what I love. Because again, you understand, listeners, Jimmy just went to two of the biggest shows in North America. And, and, and I just want to backtrack to LA Comic Con. So this show, the last LA Comic LA Comic Con was the last show I went to uh, in 2019, which capped a very busy year. And the LA Comic Con, as Jimmy knows, the LA comic book scene, much like 10 years prior to that, the New York comic book scene, the New York Comic Con, um, and the LA Comic Con, they didn't exist. They didn't, they, they didn't have a fan base. It was it was largely believed that LA could not sustain a comic con, that their interest wasn't there, the proximity to San Diego, how big San Diego was getting. New York was actually in worse shape before they launched their first one, I think in 2005 or 2006. I'm off by, I'm either, it's either 2005 or I'm off by a year, but the bottom line is, and then New York just grew exponentially. But prior to that time, it was a Chicago Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con world. Those were your two, you know, big shows. Now, Jimmy knows this more than anyone because we're going to, you know, wrap up this in a minute by, by talking about his his getting his own conventions back back up and running. And uh, so over a decade, you know, over 15 years, 16 years now, New York Comic Con has become premier. Just uh, the Javits Center has worked with them to expand um, the, the, and, 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 and the guests have been great. The fans have shown up. Um, they will, I've always said this, New York Comic Con, love them to death. They will pack one extra person in, like into the phone booth just to make sure that they get one more person more than San Diego. San Diego is a completely different animal in and of itself. The fact that it's on the water in the summer in the beautiful coastal city of San Diego is, is what's always been the draw that cannot be equaled. But we have seen comic convention, comic convention culture thrive, but LA really, I mean, boom, pandemic hits, solid Two years, two months between LA Comic Cons. And I, as was everybody else, was uncertain how many people were going to come through the floor. When I saw the footage that LA Comic Con was putting up on Saturday morning up in my room, I was going to be at my table at 11 o'clock. At 10 o'clock, they'd open their doors at 9.30. I saw swarms, swarms of people. I know what swarms look like. So do you. So do all of you. Up the escalators, coming through the doors, I could not believe. And again, in, in a world where we now we're all wear masks, we're all down with that. It's mandatory in Los Angeles. Um, the 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 concerns about are are is anybody going to show up? And I can tell you, my booth was slammed all weekend long, as it was in New York Comic Con, as Jimmy's was in San Diego and in LA, because I saw it enough times to know how many people were around you and how great you were doing. But it was just a triumph. I'm just right now. I'm just focused on. It felt great that 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 the that the business, the collecting, the cons consumption of comic books, um, seems to have picked up exactly where it left off. Um, in terms of your ability, the interest in your table, sales, um, J Jimmy, did it pick right up? Absolutely. It didn't seem like it missed a beat. Um, I mean, the hunger is definitely there. I think the pandemic, people got in touch with collecting again. Um, you know, we've talked about this on the past on, on our observations. Um, and I think that people do like to, to uh, point and click online and track their collectibles. I think they like to buy their collectibles online, but there's a buzz in person. And I think that people really gravitated to an in real world experience again and seeing creators again i mean it's not a matter of just sending your book to some you know faceless company and it's signed and authenticated 
it's just not the same. You want to be there in person. You want to share that fandom with, you know, with a bigger audience. And I, and, and that was the trend both in San Diego and Los Angeles. I suspect that was New York. Cause I heard those New York numbers were, were crazy, um, you know, crazy, insane, great, but it's just, it's a matter that, you know, people, you know, I think people, you know, are, ready for an experience and they want something more okay they love buying and get those those packages from amazon or getting those packages from ebay or getting those packages from whatnot and in every other collectible app um you know from their facebook live and instagram live sellers they like getting their packages at the mail absolutely but i think there's something about seeing something holding something seeing a display in real life that uh can't be equal seeing creators in real life um whether they're new creators, old creators, things like that. Um, and so, so given that I am a, I fall into the creator category. Uh, uh, I, I wanted to ask Jimmy, what I have seen is an, inc- an incredible increase in graded. Um, people want their books signed and slabbed. That's just slang for the, the either CBCS, CGC, um, uh, uh, the both services are thriving, um, grading, witnessing. I mean, it, it's 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 it 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 feel it feels like it blew up bigger in the pandemic. Um, are conditions of books uh, as important as they've ever been? And secondly, are you seeing more slabs on walls? It, uh, it, it feels like people are putting up. I've never seen more slabs um, than I have in these last few shows. I think so. I mean, with the slab market, it it, it is it's interesting because there's less of a debate the going rates for on slabs you know because here it is it's 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 third party you know authenticated um and this is what you know this is this is it tracks it you know it tracks like this it sells for this i mean so it's it's more of a cut and dry market and people you know have responded to that cut and dry market i think where a interesting addition at the comic conventions in real life is that people get to see what these books look like raw as well in real life. And I think that there is a very hardcore collector mentality of going, okay, I'm going to buy this and I can slab this myself. There's extra room to be making on this book. You know, I want to buy this, you know, maybe a raw edition. Raw refers to not graded yet. Maybe I could get this clean, this book cleaned. I could get it pressed, which are all collectible terms um, to increase the value of, of your books. And um, I think that there is a, you know, like, you know, where can I see some discrepancies in the, um, you know, in the process and, and, and increase the value of my collection? You know, I'm, I'm hesitant to say, hey, I work at, I make money. And I think that there are flippers and there's, you know, there's collectors and there's flippers and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know, once you buy it from, from the, from, from the, the amazing Jay brothers do whatever you want with your comic and, and Godspeed to you, you know, best of luck to you. You know, I don't have any, I have no, reg- like William Hung from American Idol. I have no regrets. <laughs> um, so, so I'm going to interject here real quick because I have been part of the, uh, so most people, uh, my trajectory with signing comics and um, guys like myself and Todd McFarlane will talk about this 30 years ago about how in the, and I've mentioned it on the show several times, how NFL, NHL, you know, MLB, you know, 
NBA players all have these price lists for signing basketballs, jerseys, footballs, baseballs, um, shoes. And for years, we just um, kind of signed for free and, 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 and acted like our signatures didn't have a value. When I, when I say our, I mean every single comic creator, you have a value. And you can use free as a value too. Free is a value to in, in incentivize, hey, pick this up. I'm going to sign it for you for free. That's a value because now maybe you'll buy my comic for $2.99 because I'm going to sign it for you. So it's all, you know, free does have a value. Stanley was the guy who knocked down the door. I walked right into the buzzsaw in 2009. I saw an entire industry pile on me. If you don't think I remember every single guy who shamed me for adding value to my signature. Um, and again, what we see on our end is the guys, you, you mentioned flippers a couple times in your statement. The guys with the long boxes who used to come and keep putting 30 comic books on the table and and asking us, you know, I, I just want to have your whole sign your whole run signed. And I don't know what manner of voodoo that we all fell under that we thought that was okay. And then, you know, that same guy would, would truck on up to me and curse me out, you know, when I started charging in 2009. So, you know, that is, I remember it was Wolverine origins again with Deadpool making a cinematic debut that I decided that I would now add value to my signature. And over time I've changed, but I remember each and every person. And now we live in a world where I see, um, like there, there, there's a, uh, there's like almost unions of these guys and groupings of these guys, um, who now get together. And I saw like, you know, the going rate is $35, $25, you know, I don't know, plus graded, ad graded. I don't know. Um, Frank Miller's signature has gone, uh, all over the place. I can't really keep track of it, but did I walk away regretting that I didn't make time to go get Frank Miller to sign some of my daredevils? I did. And would I pay Frank Miller to sign my daredevils? I absolutely 100% would. Um, I have traded, um, I want, you know, the, th the thing with me, Jimmy is, and you, we both had, you and I both had tremendous access to Stan, uh, the last decade of his life when he was as accessible as he'd ever been. And sometimes I would be, you know, demure and, and while other people are shoving hundreds of books, you know, in, in, into his representation to get them signed, I'd, you know, and then they'd say, do you want anything signed by Stan? Like with, with, uh, my favorite term, prid quote quid pro quo, I would be like, no, I don't need to do quid pro quo. I'm good. I'm, I'm good. Um, I regret it because I'm not getting anything more signed by Stan ever. Neither are you. No one is. And the few books, like the one book I'm really happy that I, I pulled the trigger on and I've mentioned it here on the show is X-Men number one by Stan and Jack, the, the original. And I bought that at a show, bought that for a few thousand dollars. I got him to sign it. I got it graded. It got a decent grade. It's a five, five, and, 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 and those are now, those went from being $7,000 to $14,000 to last I look now it's a $50,000 comic book slabbed. And, you know, I just like that X-Men number one has, you know, Stan signature on it. And I do regret that I don't have more. I understand why, why people are pursuing creators. I would want to get the, the first appearance of Venom signed by Michelinie and McFarlane. I, I absolutely um, I, I do have my Titans number one signed by Marv Wolfman and George Perez, except it's on the inside on the indicia where everybody used to sign, right? Um, my, my, my Wolverine miniseries is on the indicia by Chris and by Frank, but I would pay to have Frank sign the cover again. Cause I know that's the, that's the, the trick now. Right. So, I mean, and you throw shows and you pride yourself on having architects of pop culture. And so, um, 
do you see a difference between people pursuing creators of the work or um, guys who have runs? Because to me, it feels like the runs come and go, right? It's like, and, and, and the one, but the one thing with the DC characters, and I always tell my wife this, like you're not getting the creator of Green Lantern or, or Batman or Super, they're dead, okay? Like, so then where do you pivot? So the natural pivot is Frank Miller, right? And then after Frank, I've, I've seen it's Jim Lee. That that's where the natural pivots come because they're the hottest creators on those titles. I, am I right? Am I vibing right? Well, so yeah. I, mean, I, I, would throw, I would still throw Neil Adams in there too. Neil Adams, uh, got it. Okay, Neil, 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 one of the last, you know, and and he's become suddenly because of his illness and his medical issues. And God bless that Neil is among us and with us. Uh, you know, Neil did a cable for me that I commissioned him in 2017. I had never shown the world. I inked it. Eventually, I I need to come, you know, I set it up with his 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 representatives. I got it. He handed it to me at, at, at WonderCon. Um, I value Neil tremendously. You know my natural, absolute adoration for him. But suddenly, he is now having to tell people, and you know Neil was so accessible every show, he's gone. So maybe your signed Neil books are more special to you. I don't even want to say value because I assigned to you a value on that Stan Lee signature X-Men, and I wish I hadn't. It's it's a it's a it's a special book to me. I can't believe because Stan's gone. And we all, all of us who hung around Jack Kirby, I you know, I never got Jack other than I think some Captain Victories. I never had him sign anything for me because it just wasn't something that I thought would be um so special. And and I regret it, deeply regret it. And and so so Neil on the Batman tip is what you're saying. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but I think but I but you're right on it. It's that people gravitate toward creators they gravitate toward toward first appearances the creators are the blue chips they you know with the people that you're right runs come and go um a few years ago you would say hey this is my favorite batman you know my batman creative team of of, of all time and then it might shift you know it's probably shifted two or three times since and it doesn't take away anything from those runs doesn't take anything away from, but that's not where the trend is. Those are trendy, those are trendy elements. Uh, but creators, creators are the blue chips. Creators are the things that will always remain um, as as the premium. That's something that we've tried to do with the amazing comic cons is is spotlight those creators. Uh, yeah, I mean, you talked about you know 2099 Spider-Man 2099. You know, you're right. You're not going to get a you know a Stan you know a, a Stan Lee signature you know, anymore or a Steve Ditko signature, but, you know, you know, maybe do you now pursue Rick Leonardi, you know, or some, you know, somebody like that uh, to get those, those issues signed, you know, do you, do you yes. look at other, you know, other. I'm telling you, yes. And before we get into you, uh, cause I want to hear about all of the amazing Comic-Con um, um, plans coming up, Jimmy, what I grabbed out of my box, that Spider-Man box. I'm staring at it right now. I got to believe that nobody, no, I got to believe that not everybody's going to have this Jimmy in my box. Cause I forgot about it. I'm looking at it right now. I'm holding it. It's got a cardboard cover back when they did those sweet cardboard covers, Marvel comics, 2099 Spider-Man 2099 meets Spider-Man. And it's got Spider-Man, modern Spider-Man, Peter Parker battling a futuristic vulture and Spider-Man 2099 is battling the venom or venom, not the venom. Um, uh, uh, and it's written by Peter David. This covers by Rick Leonardi and Al Williamson. And like, it's an awesome comic. This 
this checks every single box. This 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 comic. I don't I don't remember buying this. I did not know it existed until I pulled it out of my box. I'm like, oh my gosh! And I poured over this in the last 24 hours. But like like again, that that that's a potential back wall book now, right? Fantastic. It's a great example of that. Just like maybe some cool what if. Wanda, you know, uh, Scarlet Witch books from back in the day, whether it's, you know, from the, you know, from the, you know, 70s, 80s, or whether it's, you know, from the 90s or early 2000s, they might hit the back wall as well. You know, so it's like, these are characters that people dig, you know, and they want to pursue. And those are, you know, those are, those are like really great issues to pull out of your collection. So, so in, 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 in terms of characters and creators, Jimmy, one thing that I, I keep, I, I thought I was going to get to this 20 minutes ago, one thing, consistent with everything you're talking about and and and, and we've discussed moon knight savage seahawk okay uh I, I, uh luke cage power man in the past um uh the shang chi shang chi this last summer uh all so those are 70s and then then we talk venom deadpool we talk spider-man 2099 that's 90s i mean th- those are really the 90s are really coming on because it's been the 70s for a long time right completely am, the am i wrong the trend is definitely the, the 90s, and it's it's interesting because the 90s fans, you know, who, you know, who are caught up in 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 the collectability and the fandoms of the 90s, it's all coming back. They are now at an age that they are discover rediscovering the hobby with their with their kids. I, there is a guy I went to high school with, super nice guy. I was buddies with in high school, and his son is 16 years old, and the 16-year-old son has opened up his dad's comic book collection, and now they get to cruise the floor at LA Comic Con. And oh my gosh, Dad, you know, do you realize that this book that you have in your collection is worth this much money? Do you know that this is on somebody's back wall? Do you know that you know this creator is over, or you know this person who worked on the book is signing over there? You know, let's let's go through this again, you know, today, Dad, and. I mean, I'm seeing that more and more and more. It's the the age of the 90s is back, and those characters are popping up all over pop culture, popping up all over pop culture, uh, and yeah. seeing that more and more. So it's like the 70s were mined very hard, and they continue to be because, I mean, there's some great stuff that is still popping out, coming out, but it's like, you know, the 80s had their day, but man, in the 90s, it is making a hard charge. And those create and people are looking for those key books. People are looking for those first appearances because there's so much upside to this. This what was a previously undervalued market is now seeing a tremendous upswing. And that's what and, and I think collectors are having a fun time rediscovering, getting in touch with all those things that they love the most. And that was an era that that the most collectors were around. Those yeah. books are now old. You know, I'm old. Those yeah. books are old. You know, we're older. And um, and I think there's a new generation of fans that are you know that are discovering them. And that's yeah. I think that's the fun thing about collecting. That's the fun thing about comic cons. It's that discovery process. You know, you're mm-hmm. seeing these these characters. You're seeing these creators, and it's like you want to experience them, them in real life. So, so in, in, in wrapping up all of this before we, I want to hear all about your amazing comic cons. My, my, my thing is, I, as I look at the Spider-Man 2099 meets Spider-Man, like I said on the cover, Spider-Man 2099 is punching modern, the, the venom of the 90s. And, and it just, it seems to me, again, 
prior to Fox being sold to Disney, they had queued up, they had found a formula, Deadpool 1, Logan, Deadpool 2, all R-rated, all, boom, 2016, 2017, 2018. They had really found their voice. They had found what they did that was different than the MCU. And when that 2099 trailer, that the, the, the end of the Spider-Verse and, and with, with Spider-Man 2099, it felt like such a massive reminder to everybody from Sony. Like, we are flexing between Venom 1 and Venom 2 doing spectacularly at the box office, um, between the hype around the Spider-Man films, which people forget are distributed and owned by Sony, produced by Marvel so that Marvel could get Holland into the MCU. Remember, that that is how that deal came about, and it's detailed. We're going to go into it in a future episode about the birth of the story of Marvel Studios, this amazing book that I just can, cannot stop consuming. And it talks about when they brokered this deal because Marvel really wanted to get Spider-Man into their MCU. But again, the, rever- the, the reverse was it just seemed like it put a hot lamp on Sony. And then you got Morbius, which I'm going to tell you right now, Morbius is going to work. It's going to be a hit. It's just how big of a hit. Well, that it's also Spider-Man family is on fire. Am I right? Absolutely. And what's interesting about the um, uh, that you mentioned Morbius. Yes, he is a character from the 70s. But on the flip side, where he had his solo series and the first time he had his own book was in the 90s. It was one of those polybag books, you know, that was uh, Rise of the Midnight Suns. Those books yes. were. Uh, largely dollar bin books, you know, and maybe in people's collect in, in collections, but not, you know, collectors weren't really gravitating towards this weekend. Um, they were selling on the convention floor for about $25. Again, books like that, you go from being a dollar bin to a $25 book in a short period of time, but it's those 90s collectors that are rediscovering the hobby, rediscovering the books in their collections and they're really embracing it. So yes, the Spider-Man family is on fire. There's so much upside, whether the, all those Spider-Verse characters, whether they're the new characters, like like relatively new characters, like Miles or, or Silk or um, Spider-Gwen, Ghost Spider, uh, or older characters such as, you know, you know Spider-Ham, or it's people discovering characters like Morbius. I have a Spider Ham. I have a Spider Ham action figure right here on my on my desk right now. So, because uh, again, he he just the coolest character. Um, Jimmy, uh, new speaking of runs, Venom launched a new creative team, right? Uh, Al Ewing came from the Hulk, which was this acclaimed run he did for five years, and then they 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 they, they put him together with Brian Hitch, who to, to, to who to me looks like he's doing the most inspired work he's done since the Ultimates. And I read last week, it's going back to press. So Venom, this brand new team, um, Venom just is, he just keeps rolling, right? Venom is just in fuego. Absolutely. It seems like it hasn't missed a beat at all. So it seems like whoever is working on Venom, Venom is a hot character. So, you know, you could plug and play any, um, you could plug and play any capable creator, but man, those creators are doing, you know, that creative team is doing great work. You mentioned Brian Hitch. He has seemingly rehabbed his career uh, again at Marvel. So, I mean, I do think that's that's interesting. I mean, he's been at uh, at DC doing books like Justice League and, uh, you know, a ton of Batman covers, and a ton of other DC assignments. And um, his work has not resonated um, in that time. But um, it seems like fans are, you know, he's resonating with fans again on a character that fans dig. And that's and that's Venom. 
Uh, and I mean, that's, you know, taking nothing away from the buzz that Al Ewing has put together, um, you know, in his career over the last. Oh, he, he really earned it. it the, people talked about Hulk nonstop for four years. It was it was the buzz book. I know it had great sales, but I mean, when it was the most highly recommended book in any store I'd go to. I mean, this summer I went to Florida. I went to Arizona. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I went to New York. I've, I've been been around the Southern California area. Um, I mean, everywhere you travel. And I mean, when I went to Florida, I canvassed Florida. I mean, that is it. One, when you drive it, we decided to drive it. Huge state. Great bunch of fans. Hulk, Hulk, Hulk. Every retailer I always told me just Hulk is consistent, big seller. So now they've transferred that to Venom, which is exciting. Because, again, I mean, you got to be honest. I mean, I don't love either of the Venom films but his popularity is undeniable and the success of those films is ridiculous. And he hasn't even swung a punch, the modern day Tom Hardy, obviously at, at, at Tom Hall and the Toms have not tangled yet. And obviously that's where Sony is gearing everything towards. And I think at that point, it's going to be like, get out of the way like that. I'm, I can tell you, I believe Venom's biggest days are yet to come. It's, it's, it's insane. So here's the deal, Jimmy, you have been so kind to talk of trends and prices can I talk? I do have one more. Can I? I have a quick yeah. take on this. Sure. It is. <coughs> excuse me. There is, it's an interesting. Thank you. There is interesting that the Immortal Hulk team and the Venom teams, those writers, which are both both hot writers, flaming, seemingly flip flopped. You mm-hmm. know, one is doing uh, Hulk, one is now doing Venom, and and vice versa. And it seems like Venom has the heat has the heat before and has the heat now seems like those you know it seems like th- those are the best apples to apples comparisons so i mean that the 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 heat is on that 90s character more than to buzz you know to you know to people buzz. get mad at me when i say this look people get mad at me when i say this uh, it's not meant to be heresy i believe that about four years ago when we saw uh, it's the statues, the action figures, the video games, the, the, a lot of painters uh, approached Venom and started making more H.R. Geiger-esque looking, the guy who created Alien, the visual look of the Cenobite, uh, is it Cenobite? Whatever it's called. Um, look, look, he- Xenomorphs, really, of course. Xenomorphs, Xenomorphs, man, I'm crazy. Xenomorph, um, look, Venom, I believe, uh, is- uh, vying with spider-man for being the most popular person in that family i think venom's popularity has over the last four years eclipsed the fact that venom the first venom movie made more than spider-man far from home uh or no no spider-man homecoming with tony stark with the mcu queuing it up with iron man with michael keaton did not make as much money worldwide as venom number one and you go that should tell you something. Venom's popularity is 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 crazy. He is a crazy popular character, and I think he's there's no there's no signs of that of, of looking back. And and so you know, I see what you're saying, and I get it. And I think Venom is is here to stay for whomever. And and what a great visual. That look all I when I draw him, I go he's so fun. What anytime you get the 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 symbiote liquid juice spilling off of him and grabbing somebody, it's and the way that the the mask forms around his face. I mean. There have been incredible innovations with how he's looked as well, but the base design is so great. It's so great. So, Jimmy, you've been so generous in, in, in just letting us tap into all your knowledge today. You, I know you, going to LA Comic Con only makes you more excited to share your show with us. Amazing. 
Vegas, amazing Comic Con Las Vegas is coming back. Tell us all about it. Uh, when, when's it when's it coming? Uh, what do you got planned? Well, the um, we've announced our dates um, for the amazing Las Vegas Comic Con. It is going to be June seventeenth, uh, eighteenth, nineteenth. So we have an, a, a you know a great summer summer schedule. It's right in the middle of all those great pop culture trends, all those great movies coming out right at that time. Um, and I mentioned before, you know, like you can't get a San Diego Comic Con ticket now. So I mean, what you can get is an amazing Comic Con um, Las Vegas ticket for that same price. You could get a full weekend. Um, you know, and experience Las Vegas. It's great. It's great. Um, we will be, uh, we're gearing up to make some great announcements. Uh, we have some fantastic creators. I mean, again, you know, we mentioned these, these, uh, these great, uh, TV shows uh, that's streaming these great movies that are coming out. Uh, we are definitely aware of these things and definitely aware of what, uh, collectors want and we will be giving it to them in in June. So uh, look for announcements um, in right after the first of the year with uh, tickets going on sale at that time. In the meantime, you can keep on following us on Instagram at amazingcomiccon. It's no funky spelling, just straight out. And you can always visit us on our website um, at amazing. Las Vegas Comic Con.com. That's our upcoming show. We will have some other live events uh, that we will be announcing real soon, uh, such as Hawaii and some of our other venues uh, that we are anxious to get back into the game. Uh, but, um, you know, we're excited. And especially these, these, uh, these late fall, uh, early winter shows have definitely gotten us juiced to uh, go back to work and uh, put together a great lineup. And, you know, that you come to expect with an amazing Comic-Con. Jimmy, you have some of the greatest shows I've ever been to. And your venue in Vegas is spectacular. I I, I, I just, um, I, I love your show. It's it's so friendly to fans, creators, um, your stages, your panels. I love, I, I've always loved attending them, being on them. I cannot, um, even though you're my buddy, you put out a, a fantastic product. Uh, uh, I, I'm excited that you're coming back. I'm so excited that the Vegas show is the first one back on the docket. And I know, like you said, I, I know you're, you're watching and the great thing about convention conventions like yourself, um, a new show could pop in February, March, April. And I know that, you know, you're going to do your best, whether it's a star Wars show, a Marvel show, whatever, um, to, to build out that show, to, to build your own show with some of these great guests, some, some, some of the, the best guests, that are available. So you guys, I'm such a fan and I am so thankful that Jimmy came on. Oh, Jimmy, you told me I, I, what my, I, I got an, I got an omnibus value that I wasn't expecting. I found out about my She-Hulk. Um, omnibuses are still great, harder to get you say than ever, which is good for the omnibus hoarder set, uh, like myself. Um, and, uh, Jimmy, thanks for the, the tips on the new characters, what we should be walking, uh, uh, watching out for. Um, man, uh, uh, I know you're, I know what you're going to say, because uh, it feels like, especially with Kate Bishop, we're working towards the Young Avengers. What, what is Young Avengers 1 going for? Oh, those things are climbing. You know, I don't think, you know, you, you feel both ways of going, you know, do I, I do I want to cash in on it now? Um, I, a raw Young Avengers is going for probably three, four hundred bucks. But Ooh. then time those graded copies are climbing fast okay. and you know we've we, we've we've alluded to the on the twins on uh the wandavision twins um 
on yeah. on her show. But I mean, like you know, these characters like stature, or they teased, you know, they, you know, I teased, um, you know, Isaiah Washington's um, grandson on, uh, you know, Cap Winter Soldier. So, I mean, they're definitely building toward towards this, but these characters all have huge upside. So keep on looking for those characters, keep stash those away more and more. If you can so find that- them out in the wild, go for it. So again, we end on a super, a great tip. Young Avengers, uh, th- there you go. If you can grab it, grab it. Uh, that clearly, they're, they're, they're between between Winter Soldier, between WandaVision, I mean, they're slowly building this 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 team. We're gonna look back, and, and it all happened right right in front of us, and we didn't kind of see it as clearly as we should. Jimmy, thank you for joining us. Um, thanks for dropping all the dimes. Thanks for sharing your experience. The listeners uh, love it. I could talk to you for hours upon hours, but as of as, as of this conversation, we are shutting it down. I am gonna thank you for being on the show, Jimmy, and 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 let's um let's do this again soon. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. You bet. Just wanted to give a huge shout out. Thank you to Jimmy J again for uh, joining us today and talking over the comic book marketplace. Um, really, and and the way everything is shaping up. Uh, as we exit 2021 and, and and go into 2022 again, these are the comics that fly off of Jimmy's table. Uh, he he has a dedicated um, booth table at at the uh, Frankenstein show uh, three days a week. Uh, they have holiday hours coming up where he'll be there five days a week. Uh, he's got his mail order business and he does uh, all the big shows with some of the greatest booths and then he puts on some of the greatest conventions. So uh, hearing it straight from his mouth. I just, I just really wanted to uh, know what was moving, what was shaking, and you guys got it. And I love talking about comic books and, and again, the way that, um, you know, uh, everything is feeding each other. The, 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 the culture of the, the shows and the streaming and the movies are feeding into the actual comic sales. And it's just a, a merry-go-round, back and forth, back and forth. It's so fun. I'm so glad that we are all a part of it. Because we went so long today, we are not going to read... Um, any observations. So, so we will save that till next time. Thank you guys so much for always being here and listening to this show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Continue to leave those awesome reviews and five stars and recommends for your friends. We need it so much. This is what this uh, platform thrives on is word of mouth. Thank you. I am all over social media. I'm on Twitter at Robert Liefeld, full name, blue check. That's really neat. Me at Robert Liefeld. I know it's weird saying my full name on Instagram. I am at Rob Liefeld. Uh, the way you know me in the comments with the blue check. That's really me. I'm all over Facebook. I got so many groups. I'm always there. I'm always um, talking comics or pop culture or in the land of the lost or the planet of the apes or the Logan's run group, whatever you'll find me. I'm somewhere in the neighborhood. So you guys, thank you so much for listening. This is the time when you tell me, And I believe it. You're going to take care of yourself. You need to take care of yourself. Above all else, take care of yourselves. If you need to slow it down, slow it down, man. You are what's most important. And this is where I tell you that uh, you're going to stay safe. And uh, we are going to talk again real soon. (laughs) 